right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Yuma Scene. Uh, today is a very special day. I have my good friend, Joe Umbrello here. What's up, Joey? What's up, buddy? How are you? <laughs> Doing good. Good. Um, Joe is a really good friend of mine. I like to call him Mr. Wellness. <laughs> and um, he's here today because um, hap- what happened was is Joe and I are really good friends. We go to the same gym. And um, I feel like a lot of people already know who Joe is, but if people don't know who Joe is, uh, he's a good friend of mine, ex-cop, mm-hmm. ex-military. Ex-military. Masters in psychology. Uh, human relations, yes. Human relations. Yeah. Close Anything enough. else that I'm missing? Um, just been a therapist. I therapist. on the wellness center. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Had the human equation wellness down there by Hidden Valley and uh, was helping a small group of young kids here in Yuma. Mm-hmm, and yeah. Um, yeah. Adolescent. We had the, the adolescent drug court kids and we were trying to create a pro, uh, wellness program, but um, with the, the COVID thing and everything getting yeah. shut down, it's... It's kind of on a hold right now. So kind of on a hold, yeah. yeah. But you, but this whole idea of having a podcast, eventually I was going to have you on here no matter what. And um, but it came about because this whole thing, this whole conversation sparked because of everything that's going on in the world right now. Yeah. So I had posted a little. Everybody's been posting like crazy, and you had just replied to one of my one of my posts saying, "How do you feel about everything that's going on?" And I replied back. Let's just do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are, ready to do a podcast. And um, I mean, I mean, let's just dive into it, dude. Because the world, we've had conversations outside, like at the gym, at at the at the the wellness center, and we just talked about it here and there. But you know, and we've I've we sat down once, and for me, it was a little bit hard because my point of view on the whole thing is kind of capped. Because for me, I'm not a cop. I'm not African-American. I'm not, you know, all these things that are going on in the world, especially with the protests, the protests specifically. I'm not all these things. So, and I even told you, I was like, I feel like my opinion uh, is, I don't really have an opinion because I'm not involved. And uh, you had a lot of really good perspectives, especially as an ex, an ex-cop, you know, but, you know, just to get started, what do you, just as a whole, like, how do you, how do you feel about everything that's just going on in general? Man, it's, it's crazy, right? Um, I mean, it's it's needed. It's it's needed for sure. Um, yeah. It's one of the the many injustices that are that are happening in our country, um, but it's not the only one. And you know what I what I would love to see is is more unity behind the cause and and all of all of the all of the issues that are rising at once all be settled, not just you know focusing on one thing. Um, and just run with that. Uh, racism's terrible. We don't want racism, but at the same time, where does it come from? And and I think a lot of people are just really angry, and nobody's really getting into the things below. So you know, when you when you do therapy, sometimes you have this iceberg analogy, and and maybe you see like this outward behavior that's anger, and the anger is maybe violence, and people can write that off really easy. That's just an angry person. That's just a violent person. But um there's all these things lying underneath the water, you know, 90% mm. of the, the reason of the anger you don't see, you don't, you can't read people's minds. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know their experiences. And, you know, everybody has a different life, regardless of, of where you grow up, what you do. Uh, even brothers and sisters don't have the same lives. Everybody yeah. has different lives. So, you know, for anybody to say that they can know exactly what somebody else is going through, they're wrong. Yeah. You can't know, you can only know what you go through. And so, you know, I think the biggest challenge that we're looking at right now is is where does a lot of the, the tension arise from? And that's what we have to really explore and talk about. And it, I think it's racism, but it's, it's more. There's, you know, 
that's the tip of the iceberg is what you see with that. But there's so many other things that the income inequality, I think, is is awful in this country. Uh, the top three people have more wealth than the bottom 50 percent of people. So you have 160 million people that have the same amount as three. That's not OK. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of the, the, the things I see. You know, that's the biggest one. And, and what we have to look at, I don't know if you saw that post yesterday about that book that I put out. is a book called uh, Propaganda by Edward Bernays back in 1928. And what it basically is is like the playbook for people in the elite who have power, the people who have the real power um, and the wealth and, and how they can strategically place people into positions where they can have influence. So placing people into media now it's owning the media there's six companies that own 90 percent of media so you're not really seeing dissenting views you're seeing the opinions of six people but those six people are all tied into the people at the top they're all very wealthy it's not like you're seeing all these these drastically different views you're mm. just seeing things that keep people divided and i think race is one of them and, and religion is one and classism is one and and we have a lot of different ones and as long as they can keep even the covid thing you saw how much dissension you saw of, of the groups that wanted freedom and the ones that didn't the ones that wanted lockdowns the ones that didn't and and it's strategic in how people can be manipulated through through the media so drastically um and that's one of the ways they do it. They, they infiltrate political positions. So you hear people talking about Democrat and Republican, like this is huge difference. Yeah. But if you look at the major co uh, campaign contributors, they donate to 85% on, on both sides. They donate to both people because most of politics now is fundraising to get elected and you're not really governing a whole lot. And then you owe the 1% of people who are, are paying you, you owe them favors because they got you elected. Or you owe the corporations favors because the the act that keeps used to keep corporations having a cap of how much they can donate is now gone so corporations now seen as a person they can donate unlimited amount of money and so you know that's just the the beginning to get into yeah. the dynamics of what's going on but when you have people when you have 50 percent of people uh fighting over 50 percent of what's left uh you're or i mean i'm sorry 99.99 percent of people fighting over 50 percent of what's left um of course you're gonna have tension yeah. And and so, you know, if you get even deeper, the top 10% of people in the country have 77%. So that leaves 23% for 90. And so yeah. when you start getting into the dynamics of it, of course, people are going to fight. But if the people at the top can people keep all the people at the bottom fighting uh, and arguing over things that, that aren't, um, that are just constructs that they're creating, they're almost manipulating this thing. Uh, I mean, the stuff happens for sure. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying there's there's not classism, racism, none of that. That yeah. all does exist, but it's all can be manipulated by people who who have a vested interest in it. And if you look at, let's say you even get to the point where there's a civil war, do you think the people at the top are going to be involved in it? They're all going to leave. They're going to leave and they're going to yeah. go sit somewhere else and they have they still collect checks and they they're not really impacted. I mean, they are minorly, but not nearly as much as the people who are out there fighting. So yeah. that's, that's no. kind of the, the synopsis of what I see. No, I get it. Yeah, and if you watch Joe's video, he posted a, a video kind of highlighting that similar similar topics. And it's a lot, dude. Like, it, it's a lot. And it can be overwhelming for the individual. And I know for me, watching that video yesterday was very informative. And, you know, you hear, all, you hear and you see all these different perspectives on online right mm -hmm. and when you're either young or inexperienced or just uneducated a lot of it can be overwhelming and 
the initial knee-jerk reaction is to be angry yeah. or to be upset. And it's understandable to a sense why it happens, but it's not acceptable because you can't fight fire with fire. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like I know you and I talked about the way they're treating this COVID thing and the way they're treating, you know, this George Floyd thing, this whole, the whole approach towards a solution just seems unethical because it's an angry mob. You know, we're fortunate enough that here in Yuma hasn't gotten angry yet, Mm -hmm. but we see what's happening in the rest of the world and anger is, seems to be people's solution. You see all these posts about no justice, no peace, you know, all this stuff and people want to go out with anger. But you and I had a lot of conversations about, you know, a hope for humanity is within the individual. Mm-hmm. And for me, the more all this happens, like I, I, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And, you know, you as an individual helped me in my own life. I always tell people, like I tell my friends, I was like, every time I have a conversation with Joe, I feel like I have a good refresh on life. <laughs> I'm ready to go. But it's, it's frustrating because, you know, we're dealing with all, like you were saying in the beginning of this, that, no one person's journey is going to be the same as anybody else's. Mm-hmm. But right now, everybody's in this collective idea to, you know, be angry and to protest. And I just don't understand why. Like, I understand spam risks, dude. <laughs> it's it's frustrating because, and I told you in the beginning of this, like, it can be, fr- I sound selfish when I say frustrating because I understand the level of people's frustrations as far as, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Yes, there was injustice, this happened, but there's also injustice everywhere else. Like, it's the topic is a little bit tricky because, you know, I feel like you kind of walk around eggshells around this thing because, you know, you say one thing, you're like, okay, you don't want to say, like, for me, I don't want to say, like, there's injustice everywhere. So I'm not saying the whole George Floyd thing didn't matter. It does matter. There's a lot that goes on to into that, but there's also a lot of layers that involves that. Like Absolutely. you were telling me about the, from the perspective of, of a police officer, which like, I want to get into as well. But, you know, there's a lot of sides to the stories that people just don't know. And um, and it's just people's knee-jerk reaction just to get mad and upset and follow the mob and follow the crowd instead of doing their research and understanding and really figuring out what the root problem is, which is something that you advised me about previously and, and always pushed me to do as an individual. And, you know, for me, I think that's why my initial reaction wasn't to get upset because you know it is it does suck you see it online and as any human would get upset or you know feel like it's unethical which is normal and you should feel that way because it is wrong and everything that happened is you know it's not right but absolutely yeah. to try to fight that fire with another fire like it personally i just doesn't feel like it's going to solve everything like it, it's almost childish behavior to be honest to fight fire with fire when i see that i i just think of it as like a lot of and I'm sure I'm going to get shit for this, but I just see it as like a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And here, like, unfortunately, what I see from an observation, walking, driving down 16th Street yesterday, I mean, Fourth Ave yesterday, all I saw was a bunch of fucking high school kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to throw shade or talk shit, but there's got to be a commonality there. You know, there's definitely more than just high school kids. I'm not saying, oh, yo, just high school kids are out there, blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's an observation that I made. I'm just like, dude, and I, and I don't know what's going on in the rest of the world either, but... I just see this, like these young people, and it and it makes me wonder. And this is a conversation, right? These are ideas thrown out. We're playing mental gymnastics. We're just talking about the situation at hand. Like it's just interesting because I was walking, I was driving yesterday, and I just see all these high school kids. I'm like, what? And sure, there's people your age, my age, there. You know, people that feel real, a real, a real sense of, uh, um, they feel like they 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 want to 
they want to they want to do something. Mm-hmm. So they want to be part of this. And like I said, I'm glad that it's a peaceful it's a peaceful march, and I'm, I'm happy for that. You can yell all you want, you can walk all you want, but as soon as you start looting, rioting, breaking shit, tagging shit, yelling at people, getting angry at people, blocking the streets, ruining people's not ruining, but influencing people's day to day lives for a negative. Mm-hmm. that's where it becomes an issue. And I just couldn't help to realize yesterday, it's just a, like with this whole pandemic that's going on. We're still in a pandemic, people don't fucking realize. Right. There's still it shit. Hasn't went away. There, yeah. There's nothing's gone away. Nobody give a fuck. Now there's giant mobs and they're all wearing masks. But like you and I know, like there's a lot of information about out there about how these masks are kind of eh. But that's beside the point. <laughs> the point is, is we should all still be at home when we can be. Staying safe and bettering ourselves. Personally, this is an idea or just a thought. I just feel like a lot of people are bored right now. A lot of people are out of jobs. A lot of people are, are fearful of their future because they don't have a job. They don't have money. They don't have an income. And they're also bored. And they're on social media. There's a problem. So they have nothing else to do. So their first, in, their first idea is, okay, let me go. They, 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 their identity is lost. Mm-hmm. So they feel, and this is an idea. I'm not saying this is concrete because easily this can be taken out and put somewhere else. And be like, you're fucking sick. <laughs> but the, I wonder if because of everything that is going on, people have lost some sort of sense of identity and feel like they need to attach themselves to something else in order to feel a certain way. Yeah, you know, I think that's what a lot of people do. I love that you brought that point up because, like I said, each person is accountable for everything, right? Yeah. And what happens is a lot of people don't want to do that soul searching and, and look at themselves and what they're doing and what they're really doing and what they, they really truly believe and where they're at and, and what they've actually done. And so it's a lot easier to go on the social justice quest to improve everybody, but you haven't done anything for yourself yet. You don't even know who you are. Yeah. You know, most of these teenage kids have no idea who they are, um, where they're going, what they want to do, what they really believe in, why they believe in it. They're not taught to question anything in schools. You're not taught anything in schools except to show up on time, to be there, to be quiet, to to take in information without questioning it and then regurgitate it onto a test. And that's learning. That's not learning. That's and not an, education. And unfortunately, sorry to me cut you off, no, those, those young kids become adults, mm-hmm. 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, and they s- never know how to reason. Right. Continue your thought. I just want to say that. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. And, and so what happens is, you know, I see it with the questions that I post. Nobody engages with those. I mean, very few. I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people engage yeah. with those. And, and the, most people I talk to say it's just they're like, oh, it's too deep. Well, that's part of who you are as a human being. These are questions that face us every day in society. And they're philosophical questions that, of course, have been around for the ages. And most of them don't have real answers. But if you haven't really delved into the to the concept behind them to try to figure out what it is you believe and why, then how do you have concepts even? Where your concepts come from? Who influences them? Are they from you or are they from everybody else? Is it the social media? Is it the regular media? Is it a book you read? Is it what you learned in high school? Um, where, where have your thoughts and perceptions came from? Is it your family? And, and so... You know, when we talk about racism, that can be something that's learned. It could be something that you learned and never questioned and you never had any idea. And, and maybe you never came in contact with some, anybody else that doesn't look like you. And so that's that's where it comes from. But it could also come from maybe interactions you had. It could come from uh, something that you learned somewhere else. And, and so we have to be careful with going on crusades to save the world when we haven't even fixed ourselves yet. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing that America does the rest of the world. We have, we have 
unreal amount of problems here, but we go around the world and in sake of policing the world and making it a better place when we can't even get along here. And so, you know, it's kind of something I mentioned yesterday in my video too, is there's, there's still slavery in other countries. There's yeah. still other countries that have slavery and we don't talk about it and that's not good either. Um, we, we go into these countries. Have you ever read uh, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins? No, but you told me about that and I didn't even know economic hitmen were a thing. Yeah, and, and, and that's what's really crazy too is, you know, so I, I gave you the stat about uh, the top three Americans, but America is one-sixth of the world population and we use 70% of the world's resources. Can you explain to people what uh, economic hitman was? Because when you told me what this was, I was kind of mind-blown. I was like, holy shit, these people are real? Yeah, so what happens is there's there's people and they, they go into other countries in the interest of America. And what they do is they go under the, the disguise that... Um, we're going to bring a better way of life to people because people who live simply and aren't consumers, of course, are wrong in the <laughs> eyes of America, um, even though they're usually far happier and far more at peace. Yeah. But according according to our government, they're not. But they have something we want in the in the form of resources. So yeah. we, we go to these places uh, and then we try to convince the government to let us come in with loans and bring our corporations there and to... <laughs> improve their infrastructure or build things for them or provide jobs to their citizens. Um, but, but what they don't say is that we do it at, at this high interest loan. And then this government is now stuck being a wage slave like everybody in America is where you have to work to get, to get what you want. So now you had a system that was completely fine and then you come in here and you add this debt to them. So then they're indebted to America. And then what you do is when they can't pay, then you basically control their resources because they owe us money. So then we can take their resources for whatever price that we want and we can exploit them and, and bring all their resources back here. Mostly they go to our corporations who, who then profit highly off of them and most of the people don't. But that's what happens. Um, so they go in and, and if, if they go in and they try to persuade these people to do it and it doesn't work, then what they do is they send in other people who try to cause conflict and, and try to cause a coup or an uprising or, or something that will benefit us. And so then if that doesn't work, um, typically there'll be a war. And so that's kind of what you saw in the last, last Iraq war. Uh, nobody even talks about that anymore. Nobody talks about we went to Iraq on false pretenses. They're, they never had weapons of mass destruction. They never had the capability of making weapons of mass destruction. It was all a ploy to, to use by the media to propagate this this rhetoric that wasn't true to get us to go to war with somebody who hadn't done anything to us. And then at the very end, I think the thing that they say now is that we did it to to liberate people or to free people or, or whatever the, the new narrative is. I don't even know what it is anymore. But um, you go all the way back to when it started and it was they definitely had it and that, that we were in danger because they wanted to attack us. He never wanted to attack us. Um, but nobody talks about him. People still believe that he had weapons of mass destruction, even though every every agency that's went in there ever since knows that they don't have it. And so that's just another part of it. Um, we couldn't control him like we wanted to. But if yeah. you go back in time from that, we actually put him in power at one point, helped him overthrow his government so that we would have an ally closer to uh, Iran. And so it's the same thing with the Northern Alliance in Afghanistan. At one time when they were fighting Russia, we were allies with them. We funded them. We gave them weapons. We trained them. And then 20 years later, when they don't do what we want to do anymore and it doesn't fit our interests, then we want to fight them. So... Um, I know that's way off the topic of other no, things no. that we're talking I mean, about. No, but. I was going to say, it sounds between that and, you know, 
this whole I the whole idea you're talking about and the way they go about and you 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 put it you compare it next to everything that's going on right now between the rioting and the way the government and just the way people just treat um, situations, especially issues. A lot of it is control based, and I feel I feel that humans have this problem of the need to control things and the expectations of things. And when things don't happen the way we expect them to, we become children and we start to freak out, just like a child would. We don't yeah. know what to do. We're like, oh, fuck, dude, I don't know what to do. Like, ah, and then just get angry and you want to either whoever's next to you gets the brute end and whatever's not happening, then it's just wrong instead of being introspective and understanding if, A, this is something that is, you know, something that is, y- yes, it's going to be a real issue, but if it's something that... um like you mentioned something to me a couple of days ago between trying to understand it, like nothing's right or wrong. You asked, you told me um, there's three different ways to look at something that is right or wrong. You said if it was helpful or not helpful, meaningful or not meaningful, and there was one more. Yeah, uh, so I said healthy or unhealthy, yes. beneficial or not beneficial, yeah. and uh, destructive or non-destructive, basically. I was wrong, but that, those three You're things. You're very close. Yeah, they, I had them written the down. Same thing. I had them <laughs> written down, but those three things, you know, and instead of examining yourself and understanding if you understand these issues that are going on and if there's something you can do at the micro level as an individual then that's where it starts like even steven had posted something we had talked about as well like change starts from a micro not a macro level Mm -hmm. so it starts within as an individual and then outwards because you know and also humans don't like to be wrong and going back to your point is uh, people, humans just don't like to be wrong, and, and whenever you're faced, whenever you're slapped in the face with some sort of truth that is uncharacteristic from what you already know, there's some going to be some some resistance to that, and you know it's a it's a knee jerk reaction because it's a survival thing, I feel, and it's it's also I don't know it's just I come back to this thing of childish. It reminds me of children. It just always it just always reminds me of kids, and it's just not it's the easy way out. It reminds me of just the the easy the the fast way to handle things and it's just convenient to be upset and to be mad all the time yeah. it's much more easy to be angry and upset rather than to take a breath than to sit back and to just try to understand it takes some time to understand what's really going on because you know with this whole when i first when i found out like when i first got a not want to say upset but had a reaction to everything that was happening was when i found out you know, this whole curfew thing that was going on is when I kind of raised my, like, brought my attention. I was like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Like, with the whole COVID thing, how they had, you know, they made us do all this stuff, made us wear the masks, you know, telling us what can't go to places. People had to close down. Businesses were shutting down. You know, all the solutions were Mm fear-based. And I know, listen to Steven talk, he was like, well, no one's fucking talking about how to boost your immune system, you know, how to stay healthy, and all these other things that people just want to find like an easy solution, a fast solution. Same thing with everything on the writing going on. It's it's the same issues that are happening, you know, and it's just all the fast, all the quick solutions, all the th- things to get things done right away. And it's rather than figuring out, like you said, what the real issues are and how to solve them. And go ahead. Yeah. And I think <laughs> with that, what you're saying, you know, that individual responsibility is the thing that's really key because if you look at America and people complain about not having universal health coverage, but they don't talk about the fact that 86% of our, our medical spending is on th- on chronic disease that's completely preventable through better lifestyle choices. Yeah. 
if it was 86% less, it'd be a lot easier to have universal health coverage if everybody took responsibility for themselves and their health, but they don't. And, and maybe it's a lack of education. Maybe it's misinformation. I mean, in America, healthcare is a, a, a really big industry. I mean, it's treated like an industry. Those people are commodities, right? Uh, who cares if they're sick? We'll treat them like commodities. And so when you talk to people going into healthcare, at least me, I don't hear people say, yeah, I want to help people not be ill. I hear people say it pays good. Yeah. It pays good. I'll get paid a lot if I'm a nurse. Yeah. So you want to be a nurse or a doctor because it pays well, not because you want to help prevent people from being sick? Not you Bailey. Know, she's it, a great person. Yeah, Bailey's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I know some that maybe aren't on that path, but most yeah, people, when you, when you talk to them, uh, a lot of people will tell you that, and that's maybe not the right reason to go into a field just because it pays well. I yeah. mean, what is what is the goal of, of medicine it's supposed to be to, to treat illness, but if the illness is coming from your own actions, then we should be treating that. Yeah, you don't even want to get to that place where you need the medicine. You want to try to be as preventative as possible, like right. you're saying. And But people, like Stephen also said, people don't talk about that. Uh, people don't don't get deeper into the issues. It, like you said, it's, <clears throat> if if I can have if I can stay completely in comfort and keep doing the same things that I'm doing, uh, then I'm going to keep doing them. If I don't have to question myself or my beliefs. Uh, then I'm not going to. And I, I really don't want to get into this, but when I hear about white privilege, um, maybe it exists, maybe it don't. I don't even want to debate it. it to me, it's irrelevant if it exists or not. Uh, because the thing is, everybody's unhappy. I'm a therapist. Everybody's unhappy. Even the most spoiled, privileged people are unhappy. Yeah. They're, they're toiling away with lives that they find meaningless. And so... If if privilege only leads you to unhappiness, is it a, is it a a worthwhile privilege? I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's something to question. If it's if you still have an unfulfilling life, if you still want to kill yourself, if you still want to to not wake up in the morning because you're severely depressed and you don't want to go to work even though you make two hundred thousand dollars a year, but you'd rather just lay there in bed and not move, um, is that a good thing? And yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, I for me, I would say no. I would say absolutely not. If if I wake up every morning uh, wanting to kill myself, no matter how much money I have or how much privilege or prestige or power <laughs> or whatever it is that I have, I'd say it's not a good thing. Yeah, something's got to change. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you look at people and they're, people are very unhappy. And I think that's why it leads back into the anger because they don't know what to do. Most people don't know what to do. Uh, the people at the top control so much power, so much wealth, so many resources, uh, it, everything's such in their favor that it's hard for the, for everybody else to try to figure out how they can change anything. They feel helpless. They feel powerless. Uh, it's so scarce. Yeah. And I was just watching something the other day and it was just saying like, um, Keep basically going. democracy means nothing anymore because all you're voting for is, um, you're just basically voting for the next figurehead who's going to come in position, who's going to do something for, for the top 1% or the corporations. Most politicians, uh, d most congressmen don't even write the laws. They come from lobbyists from their interests and they give them to them and then they present them to Congress. They don't write them. Most congressmen also don't even read read the, the bills that they pass. Somebody yeah. else reads them for them. Um, I saw, I've saw quite a few people who are like, I can't read everyone. There's too much to read. The sure. average congressman also comes in um, on a two-year period, they spend about 18 months campaigning for their next election and about six months actually governing. That was crazy when I saw you post that because yeah. I, I had no idea. 
It's crazy. And yeah. and so how is anything ever going to get done? It's all just a ploy. What are they what are they really doing? What change are they enacting? I mean, if you look at really government, they talk about social policy, which is really the big difference between Democrats and Republicans, but nobody talks about the social policy if it's actually benefiting society. It's just their <laughs> concepts and ideas with no evidence behind them. And so what are you really doing to make society better? And I have a firm belief, and I, I usually don't impress my beliefs upon people, but my belief is a society is only as good as the weakest person in it. So whoever is your weakest member of society, that's as good as your society is. It doesn't matter how many people you have at the top, how many people are in the middle. Whoever your weakest person is, if you're not lifting that person up to a higher level, that's that's as good as your society is. And people will cast people aside like it's nothing. You know, you see homeless people and you see people who have nothing and, and people almost look down upon them. And, you know, in a lot of ways, homeless people are more free than the vast majority of people. They don't have to go do jobs that, that they hate, that they despise, that make them unhappy to buy things that they don't want. And that's, that's another big issue is you see consumerism and everybody compares their worth as an individual because they don't want to do self-reflection and who they are as a person, they then make these comparisons and social status based on what they, they obtain, what they have, what they get. Uh, oh, my car works just fine, but I need a new car because a new model came out. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with mine. It runs great. The fuel mileage isn't different. Nothing's different. The air conditioner works the same. It just has a new body style. So I need to get rid of this one and go get that one. Got to get the new one. Right. And that's, that's something called dynamic obsolescence. And dynamic obsolescence, you see it with iPhones too. So there's no barely any difference between an iPhone 8 and an 11. The camera's different. The processor's a little bit faster. Some like minor things, right? The it's face always, ID. Yeah. But they do the same things. If you get the software update, they can do almost the same thing. And, and how many people are photographers that need a camera that good? How many that need, instead of an 8, need the 11? Yeah, they need that extra one. And, they'll, and every, they'll convince themselves of, and I'm guilty of it too, convince yourself of every reason why you need it. All the way down to like a simple t-shirt. Uh -huh. Like, no, no, I need these ones because these ones are just going to be a little bit better. They can make it feel better. If I don't feel better, then I'm just not going to, it's not going to go great. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I so you're, so you're placing your worth on that external instead of from the internal and it should be no matter what I wear I feel good. I feel good cuz I feel good. I don't feel good because I'm wearing a cool shirt. You yeah, know? exactly. And um I think that's where the consumerism issue comes in because if if corporations aren't constantly selling things and they're not going to be constantly at the top and they're constantly making new revenue and and so, you know, the whole concept of a corporation to begin with was somebody didn't have enough money to open something and you could all pull your resources together and you could be all part owners of a company and and you believed in this company and it was something you stood behind so you wanted to do well so you'd invest in it but now it's it's a way for people who have a lot a lot of money to just make quick fix you know quick quick dollars so i can throw money in the stock market watch it go up three points cash all that money out throw it in somewhere else and it's and like i can make millions and billions uh like jeffrey epstein you can make unreal amount of money and you never actually did anything. You've never done anything. You've yeah. just played a game. Yeah. Uh, and that's where a lot, also a lot of, of the, the income inequality comes from too. Because if I have $100 million, all I have to do is put my money in the bank and let them loan it to people and I can make $200 million. Yeah. And so, but I've never done anything. And so the system, the system is, is very rigged. And there's probably people that want to disagree with me and they want to say they earned it and whatever. Hey, I, I'm not even contesting any of that. I don't want to get into it. The fact of the matter is when you have that discrepancy like that, then the people at the bottom are going to suffer. And so, you know, that's just what I see. Yeah. And it's hard because 
you know, you take that obvious issue and how do you go about resolving that, right? Like if we're if we're trying to practice what we preach here, let's just let's just get into that a little bit. It's like I have no idea how as an individual and I'm sure and you hear that all the time, right? Like people like myself, especially like younger people, you know, the we always want to say, fuck the system, I'm mad, I don't get it, they're shady, you know, all this shit. But like even me, like I, I understand to a certain extent like how how frustrating it can be dealing with the system. And I understand everything you say. But even for like me, I wouldn't even know how to begin to resolve that, you know. And how do you even resolve that? And is there even a resolution? And feel even, even, but even alongside of that to cap that thought off, even the thought of trying to fix it or to influence is a conversation that's not even being had. I feel a lot of is you know J Cole is like a really. Do you listen to J. Cole a lot? I don't even know that is. J. Cole, he's an amazing rapper. He's a shit. And you like rap, you should listen to J. Cole. He's great. But <laughs> okay. he talks a lot about, you know, he's a black rapper from, I think, North Carolina. But he talks a lot about, you know, the government stuff as well. And, you know, he 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 talks about a lot in his music, pretty much. And even him, that's the most I know about all this stuff. I just listen to his music. And he talks about it from a less aggressive point of view. You know, he tries to talk about in his music and spread awareness and, and stuff like that. But even then, it's like, how do you even go about trying to resolve something like that, you know? It's hard because you have to get people to get past their egos and let go of these beliefs that they've attached to their identity that they, they believe is them. Your ideas are not you. Yeah. Um, and your faulty beliefs definitely aren't you because they're faulty, and you have to question them. And when you when you can't honestly question yourself, you know, if you look at being wrong as a bad thing, um, if you look at it as you're stupid, then you're not going to let go of these beliefs because you're going to defend them. You're going to keep fighting because you yeah. want to be right. You yeah. have to look at letting go of faulty beliefs or being wrong as a good thing, as, as, as beneficial, as healthy, as positive, as, okay, I had this, this faulty belief that isn't accurate and I'm shedding it and now I'm coming closer to the truth and I'm going to have a better belief. It's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity. Yeah. And, and if you're not able to do that, if, if you want to defend your, your belief that is faulty, um, and you want to take it as a personal attack on you, then you're in a bad position. You can't, what you just said, you, you can't ever reach that level where you'll, you'll have some, any real change because you're not availing yourself to, to what's real and what's accurate and what's, what's, going to help things um but if you look at people people aren't really set up to do that like i said if yeah. you look at the school system uh i thought school was easy and it was just super boring for me and i would just sit there and and draw and and half pay attention and daydream and i still will get really good grades because all you do is memorize things yeah and that's it. You're not really learning. You're not really learning how to navigate. You're not learning how to discuss things with people. Uh, probably the most important things that you can learn. You never. You don't have psychology or philosophy in high school. At least I didn't. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. some do. I don't know. I don't know of many. But you don't talk about concepts or ideas or even how to form logical reasoning. How to how to reason through things. Yeah. Uh, it's just all verbatim remember this remember this remember this spit it back on the test forget it and never think about it again college yeah. is the same way yeah. until i got into grad school um, most of college classes are the same you go there and you sit and you listen to somebody lecture there's no real inner inner action between you and the professor there's no dialogue for the most part to understand right yeah you don't really you don't really dissect concepts and then you and then the other 
thing that you see in America is this this belief that just because somebody has an MD or a JD or some other high level PhD that they're automatically experts and they have no no um, faulty logic or faulty reasoning or that everything they say is absolutely true or that they don't have a hidden agenda just automatically because this guy's a doctor he knows yeah. and you can look at doctors with nutrition most doctors uh, don't know much about nutrition because they don't really take nutrition classes. They take one or two in medical school. Most of them don't really study it, so they don't know. They'll tell you to follow the food guide pyramid, which is based on on a myth and is not healthy for you. So yeah. if you look at all these deep-rooted concepts, it's the, the construct from from you know the 1900s to now, it's just been a steady stream of, of creating almost false misinformation to keep people from being able to to kind of buck the system you know mm. that the system's so ingrained that how do people get past it and you can go all the way back to the 1920s with with the first great depression and the stock market crash uh depending on who you talk to it was something that was constructed by rockefeller and jp morgan so that they could crash the economy and buy up all the banks and that's why jp morgan chase bank is so huge today yeah. and so you look at some of these things and and there's people who will stop at nothing because their addiction to power is so so incredulous that no matter what they do, they can't satisfy it. They just want always want more. And and those people are probably unhappy too. I mean, I don't know them, so I can't I can't yeah, speak yeah. on them. But if your whole life revolves around gaining more and more and more power, and and you're never even sitting down with yourself and and being real, I mean, that's part of the problem. And so, how do you keep people in check before they amass that much power? Is maybe maybe something you have to look at. How do you have checks and balances where when you see somebody who doesn't really have positive intentions, who's just using what their their position or their status to get something more for themselves? Yeah. And you can look at the Clintons. Uh, they went into office barely having any money, and now they, ha they have over $300 million. How, how are you in public office where you make $120,000 a year, and now all of a sudden uh, 15, 18, how many ever years later? I guess 96, so it's over 20 but 20 years later you have 300 million dollars that doesn't make sense yeah and and people look at do you know yesterday she testified uh about the benghazi thing and, and being held accountable with with uh the national security stuff no, nobody hillary clinton nobody uh, even talked about it nobody knew that that was up uh everything was blocked out and blacked out and and i'm not saying that that cause was bad because it, it's it's a great cause and we need to end racism for sure um but most of her supporters come from the Democratic Party, and nobody talks about the things that she did. I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Cleveland, and, and he was telling he was talking about Hillary being better than Trump. And I think when we look at it, you have to look at both of them and say neither of them, neither of them. Why why do we keep voting for the lesser of two evils when we yeah. know that they're both terrible? Um, if you want to have real change and vote, then start writing people in that you actually know. Start writing people in your ballots that, that yeah. you know these people and you know that they, they have better intentions because anybody, I think, and this is also my opinion, which I don't like interjecting, but anybody that goes into office almost has to have an agenda of amassing power and thinking that they know better than everybody else or else why would you do it? Yeah. That's not something I've ever sought out because I don't want to, I don't want to impart my my opinions upon people and my beliefs. I think a true democracy is everybody voting, and you don't really need people in power to begin with. You you need to have very educated, well-informed, well-adjusted citizens who are part of the process who all 
who all stand to benefit from all of society doing better, not just a small percentage of people. Almost like a little, like Rogan talks about the idea of having like this alliance of super smart people yeah. rather than one person running the whole ship because that way, you know, there's checks and balances and not one person is and even though like we have one person, one president running the whole thing, like there is checks and balances, but still to be able to mitigate the influence of just one individual is, is at best because if you give one person a majority of the power, you know, people are, people are shifty. People are, you know, people are complex. You know, one day I can feel amazing. The next day I can feel like dog shit and, you know, one terrible thing can happen and I can be off my game that one day and it can lead me down to, you know, a road, a dark road that I wasn't expecting and anything can happen, you know, Mm -hmm. parents can die, you can get sick, anything can happen. So to put that much influence in one person's hands, like it's just not, it's just not, it doesn't seem like the smart thing to do. And a lot of stuff, the older I get and the more I learn, I, I start to understand that a lot of the ways we live were inherited by, you know, generations of people. And now it's, I feel this generation is barely starting to grasp the idea of individual thought and the development of the individual and the development and how much of an influence that has to do with the people around you. The more you can be yourself and the best version of yourself truthfully, the better you're going to influence the people around you. But by being you, and that shouldn't be an expectation, but it's kind of a, it's just, it's a result. Because people see you doing well, you want to do well. And it could piss people off. It definitely will piss people off because people are envious. People get jealous. And it just happens because, you know, I think about my parents and I think about their parents. And just two generations back, everything was about survival. My grandparents, everything was about survival. They were immigrants. They came here and they were cool with the bare minimum. They just wanted to be in a place that they weren't in. So they were just trying to do better. My parents, you know, same thing. They were trying to adjust to this whole idea and their whole thing was just to survive. And they were cool with that. And now we've just become greedy in this generation. I feel yeah. greedy and selfish and, you know, and not even just this generation, but if you think about just how we treat money and people, it's happened since the beginning of time. Like this whole investing in our lives in a value system, whether if it's money or currency, like we're always going to want more. Humans are selfish. They want more because you can obtain more things and, you know, it's, I don't know if it's a survival thing. You know, people, you hear it all the time. Like, people want to, it's a survival method. It's a survival method. You know, you want to be, make sure you're going to survive. But if that's true, even more of a reason to take a step back and really understand yourself and understand why you're making decisions on the things that you're purchasing, the way you're living, because maybe you're drowning yourself in these thoughts and the way you think and the people you're surrounded by. And, you know, and there's a big wall above that which is your ego because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be wrong and you don't want to say you don't want to question because it hurts and you don't want to make a change because you're you've identified yourself with this and this is concrete and you can't change because if you change things will change but sometimes change is good and it takes time but like what we've been saying with everything it's it's easy to do the other thing it's very easy to do the other thing it's hard to want to change it's hard to take a step you know, when you're exhausted and, you know, you feel like your back up, your back's against the wall, it's hard to take a deep breath and think about and just start somewhere, you know, because you don't want to be wrong again. It can be frustrating. But mm-hmm. me as an individual, you know, and my friends, in my, the way I grew up, like, I know people 
a lot of people and it's it's unconventional to do that it's things here kind of the way this is what it is this is the way you are it's the way you grew up that's how you are and you know you just mosey on along life and you know you try your best to do what you need to do but you know other than that it is what it is you know yeah i think there's two good points in there you know the first one is if you grow up somewhere and it works then why would you change it of course you don't need to question things if it's working well if you live somewhere and everybody's happy then there's no reason to question it's working yeah uh but when you grow up somewhere and everybody's miserable, that's a totally different story. That was your situation. Right? Yeah, and and so when you're when you're somewhere and and things aren't working and you see that it's not working and that everybody's unhappy and and the system is on the verge of collapse and only some people are benefiting, um, then of course you need to question and change. But if you look at maybe some uh, go back to like Native American tribes, what they were doing was working for them, and so why would they change until? Yeah people came and, and took everything from them and then they evolve. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that's a sad story too. We won't even get into that, but, yeah. um, the other thing that you said, you know, it's, it's the construct of, of people. So, you know, you said that, um, like growing up, you see people that were just trying to survive and then, or your family, I'm sorry, was trying to survive, and then it kind of morphs into, then they want a better life for you, but the construct is what is a better life for you. Exactly. Is a better life for you amassing material possessions and having a lot of stuff, or is a better life for you focusing on yourself and being happy? Exactly. And it's a lot easier, as much as it sucks to go show up at a job every day, and and especially when you hate it, you can go show up at a job every day and just be there, and do the bare minimum without much effort or thought and get paid and go buy stuff and be happy for about 32 minutes until you you get home and and put it on the counter and never think about it again. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's a lot easier than sitting down with yourself for hours and reflecting and being with your thoughts and and thinking about actual concepts that, that can improve your value to society. And a lot of people don't talk about you know, especially in America, because it's very, very individualistic. So it's all about each individual. And it, and it should be in a sense, because you have to be in a good place to, to be a good member of society. But at the same time, uh, we have to look at the collectivist side of what's best for society. And, and sometimes, if you're in the top 1%, what's best for society isn't going to be probably what's best for you, you're going to have yeah. to relinquish a lot of things, or even the top 10%, or maybe even the top 25%. Uh, you're going to have to relinquish things to pull people up to your level. But when you have people that are drowning and people that are floating on rafts, and they don't want to help, you know, how can you really affect change? Because you can talk all you want about change. But in reality, until you see what's causing all of these problems, um, and some of it's closed-mindedness. You know, this is a really big thing that I see. Um, I've always been pretty liberal. And yeah. growing up, liberal was like, for me, was associated with like having a very open mind with trying to see outside of the box and, and listen to people's perspectives and see what they're actually saying and if there's truth in it or not. Because, you know, a lot of people, whatever they say, they definitely believe it. So you have to see what it what part of that is truth for them and if you don't if you don't do that you'll never understand them and you can't have real communication you're just talking at each other not to each other and so what i what i think is when when you get into the dynamics of how how to better understand situations you have to dig deep into 
your own mind. And if you can't have an open mind and listen to people non-judgmentally and, and at least hear what they say uh, without trying to counter them right away. So that's what happens when you see a lot of people, right? Yeah. You try to tell somebody and as soon as you tell them your opinion, they're like, well, what do you think? And you start to tell them and then they, but, but. Yeah, you're like, yeah, whoa, yeah. man, you asked me what I thought. Can, yeah. I, can I share, please? Yeah, let me just talk. Can I can I share my opinion? Then you can tell me your opinion, and we'll we'll try to understand each other, <laughs> yeah. the differences. But a lot of people won't even let you get it out. They won't even let you share your opinion. They, they shut you down before you even have a chance, and you're like, okay, well, we're not talking to each other. Yeah. We're talking at each other. Yeah. Neither of us are trying to come to an, uh, a resolution to communicate to understand what's actually going on. Or they're not listening to what you're saying, and they're just, they're, they're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can insert their points. Yeah, and so then we get back to what I used to associate with, with liberals was being very open-minded and doing that. And, yeah. and now what liberal is, is it's become just as closed-minded as what conservatives used to be, because conservatives would just typically in, in history would revert back to like they're more religious typically, and they would just say that this is, this is the truth, and they wouldn't listen, and, and that's why they would usually call them closed-minded. <clears throat> but now you see it with the other side. They just have a whole different viewpoint. They have a, a, a more eccentric view, a less conservative view, and that has now been associated with open-mindedness, and people don't understand that's not open-mindedness. You have to listen to people with an open mind and, and say, well, is there any truth or is there any credibility in what this person is saying to me right now? Yeah. And, you know, one of the main things is when you just tell somebody they're wrong about their lived experience, you don't know. Uh, regardless yeah. of anything, because you're not in their head, you didn't go through it, and you don't know what they perceived. Life is a perception; it's it's filled with constructs that we create, and then mm. we can get back to, to, you know, um, all the way back into all these other things of constructs, like even race. Race <clears throat> is still a construct. Um, maybe it's one that's very prevalent because you can see it, but it's still a construct. If we look at the evolution of humanity, we all came from Africa. All of us. Yeah. Uh, over our three million years of evolution, we started in Africa and people just migrated. And our skin color is a genetic adaptation. Our features are genetic adaptations from living in geographic regions. Mm. No, nothing else. It's not like there's anything else that's assigned to it. Um, that's it. If you if you took every single race and you put them on an island where they didn't know anything better and you didn't teach them any of the constructs, they they wouldn't know. They only know because you teach it and reinforce it. And so um, I think that we're all humans. We all live on Earth. We all need to take care of our planet. And that's the biggest thing that I addressed in the video yesterday is we talk about all these other things and we burn things and pollute the environment and litter. I just went to Sedona and did Devil's Bridge and there's trash everywhere, Seriously? everywhere in a beautiful place. Trash everywhere, cups and big gulp cups and wrappers and, and that's terrible. That fucking sucks. It does, it's, it's terrible. And, and so, you know, people, people have to do better. They have to realize that every, everything you do has a, has a, a reaction, right? Everything yeah. that I do has some reaction in, in the pool of life and so, uh, we could look at species, and we've exterminated a million species over the last 200 years. Nobody talks about that either. We're cutting down the rainforest, which are the lungs of the world, yeah. at, at an alarming rate, and nobody talks about that. And so, Keep the, yeah, and those are all all things that are that are very important that go into the dynamics of what's going on. And so, um, how people can be better to figure out. 
what it is that's beneficial for all humankind and not just one group or or one person you know it's it's about the whole we're all one one system like the the world is is a system the planet is a system we can't go live on mars or the moon or any other planets that we know of right now we're not going to go live in space stations um so we're here and so if we don't look at at the grand scheme of how we can ensure our survival and our planet survival and other species survival you know all of them are interrelated when you exterminate a species it has a ripple effect you know we look at farming and the amount of stuff that we put in the soil is ruining it yeah. uh that's not good either and so when i when i talk about like right and wrong and good and bad um that's why i say like healthy and unhealthy is what you're doing in your life healthy for you is it unhealthy yeah. is it healthy for society or unhealthy is it productive to you is it going to help you in any way is it going to help other people in any way or are you just contaminating and contributing to the plague that's that's going to destroy us and wipe us out and so I, I you know when we get into what's going on right now i think it's necessary but i think everybody everybody needs to speak out a bit against all of the things that are going on that that aren't helping and yeah. then getting back to you know even culturalism and and one culture thinking that their culture is superior to another, whether it's America versus other countries or or whatever. Oh, you mean Nazi Germany? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the same thing. And if we we go back to that, that's what they thought. Their culture was the best, and and they were going to push it upon everybody, and the world would be a better place. But not necessarily. You know, you, you, if something works for a group of people, just leave them alone. Yeah, Let them go and they live where leave, they are and leave them alone. And they should leave everybody else alone as well. Absolutely. That's the thing. Go ahead. Yeah, going. no, no, no. Keep going with it. No, I just, it's just, I was going to, like everything you're saying, man, it, it strikes a chord with me because it it goes back to this this line of thinking where you can't tell people what to do. Like, you can't control people. Everything that's going on, like the moment you tell somebody to do something, it's not going to happen. You, we, all we can do is influence and put the information out there. Try, try to influence because this whole, you know, this expectation, like I learned a lot about it just through having conversations with you. And, you know, as we talk about all the issues of the world, it's frustrating because, you know, it's frustrating, but it's also very liberating because I think there's an opportunity to grow and realize that we're, we need to learn how to think. I know for me, I'm 27. I just turned 27 in February. And I think, I feel like I barely started learning how to think a year ago, a year or two ago. And I'm fortunate that I'm learning now because I, because of the people that I put myself around, you know, you, Steven, my friends, like I'm fortunate because every day is a learning. And then also the work that I do myself because of the unhappiness that I realized that I was in. Like everybody knows my story. I hated my job. I quit it. And I did something that I enjoy. And, you know, I'm not able to have all the things that I want to have. Like, I don't fucking have my own house. I don't have all these old things. But the thing is, is at least I'm not miserable. I'm not fucking sitting in a cubicle for 8 or 12 hours a day. I'm not sitting in the fucking hot for 12, you know, same thing. I'm not, I'm not miserable. The issues that I have are very minor. And I'm thankful for that, mm -hmm. you know. But that was... That was, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but it worked for me. I did something that, you know, that meant something to me. And, and you know, I, I'm fortunate enough that I was able to grasp on that concept of learning and trying to better myself and learn how to think. But I'm a human. And the more humans that I meet, I realize how different and complicated everybody is. And you can't tell people what to do. 
And I didn't really learn that until I was in a relationship because you get involved in that in the most ultimate level intimately. And your first reaction is to want to control because fear takes over and you're afraid that person's going to, you know, leave and stuff, you know, and just it, it becomes more complicated. And then you really learn more and more as you experience and and it makes you want to be better. And, you know, I'm like I said, I'm fortunate enough to have people like you and my friends and stuff that help me, you know, push me to want to learn how to be better. And that's just by trying mm-hmm. and learning and reading and talking and, and being patient with yourself and all those things. But, you know, because I have those reactions like every human being, it happens all the time. Like I equated it to driving, like trying to my wellness to like driving because it's at any moment I'm going to be like, oh shit, I start getting fearful of the future. Oh shit, I start thinking about the past. Oh shit. And then as soon as I just zone into like the now and what's going on and what can I control now, things become a lot, not simple or easy, but you know, tranquil and just calm because you know, you can easily get overwhelmed with everything that's going on, but it's piece by piece. And it's easy to want to just grab, try to grab everything and control it right in there. But that's just, I feel not the correct way to do things because you're going to burn out real fast. And mm-hmm. I think for me as an individual, cause I can only speak on my own terms. Like I can't think for anybody else. Like this helps like conversation in trying not to, you know, trying not like, this is an easy conversation, right? Like it's, you're my friend. It's, chill you're not here to attack me like no one's here like you know it's very easy but when you get into an argument with somebody or a disagreement like that's when you really find out who you really are can you can you stay calm can you observe your feelings can you take them for what they are and let them pass through you and really think about it you know no one's taught us how to think like that i know from i know like you grew up in youngstown ohio like and i grew up here we didn't grow up in a way where people taught us how to think. So now is the time to try to share all that. Like you showed so many beautiful books to me, all these podcasts, all the beautiful content that you put out. That stuff's great. And it's, and it's practicing that stuff because it's like anything like, and a lot of, a lot of this wellness stuff doesn't just happen just because you read it and repost. It doesn't mean it's in your head. Mm -hmm. Like I know for, like I mentioned, I'll go back to the driving metaphor. Like it's all the time. I'm always like, oh shit, hold on. I'm I'm anxious right now because I just got overwhelmed about what's gonna like. How much of the time does that happen to people? Where like, you're having a conversation with them and they're not there and they're anxious about what's going on later. And it's like, hold on, we're just like, let's talk about what's going on right now. Yeah. Like, or what happened late. Like, every and I, like I told you about that book, The Power of Now, mm-hmm. by Eckhart Tolle, and I loved it because for me it helped me, it helps simplify shit, and I was never taught how to think that way. And it's constant practice because. One thing that I took away and I shared with you and I'll share with everybody else is that, you know, it's easy to become, the book's called The Power Now and the concept is, you know, you can find that peaceful, tranquil place in life when you just forget or just, you just forget about the past and the future and just worry about what's going on right in front of you. Worry about now, the power of now, worrying about this conversation, what's going on right here because that is the only thing that we have and guarantee is only that matters. Because as soon as we start becoming resentful of our past or feeling guilty of what happened in our past or fearful of what's in our future, then we lose on what's happening right now, you know? And like you said, another thing in that book, it's like you said earlier, was like this idea of, you know, our identity to our thoughts. Like, we're also not our thoughts. Like, you know, it's once you... And all this comes through learning and trying to practice it and, and, and 
you know, reminding yourself and doing what works for you. But like, it takes time Mm -hmm. and patience and, you know, and even like I, I get frustrated sometimes because I want to know everything. And sometimes I can't always make the time to do those things, you know? And it's, I know a lot of people feel that way. I know a lot of people like, like, for instance, my girlfriend who's a mom doesn't have a lot of time. I know I have a lot of friends that have jobs and they have kids and they don't have a lot of time for stuff. And I understand that, you know, but you know, if you feel like you are in that tough spot, like people have, you have to make time for those things, you know, just like the same way we make time for everything else. But it's hard, man, because like, I'm not a, I'm not a father. I don't have kids. Like I know a lot, most of my friends have kids, I think. And it's hard for them to like, in to, to like make time to do that because they have long days and they have jobs and they want to go home and they just want to fucking watch TV and just chill, you know, cause their days are 12 hour days in the sun. And then they see somebody else that is living the life that they want or think that they want because of what they see on social media and then they get frustrated with their lives and then fucking here we go as a whirlwind and it's frustrating but if we can learn how to think and to take a step back and to breathe and understand like okay what do i really want out of this life who do i really want to be who am i you know and learn those things and it takes time to but you have to make that time a little bit of a day like and we're also so extreme you know, with fitness especially, like people want to go to the gym and they go fucking balls to the wall day one, and then they're sore as shit. And they're like, I don't ever want to do this again. It's like, dude, baby steps. Yeah. Same thing with knowledge and learning. It's like, it's like I know for me, dude, I can't read a physical book because I'll fall asleep in like thirty minutes. So I had to find something that worked for me, which is like ebooks, and they work for me, and, and I love them because I can just drive and it's people get or I hate like I just. And I'm I can be impatient as well, but like I just feel like as a collective, people can get very impatient with themselves, and they're it's like, what's the rush? You mm-hmm. know, what is the rush? There's no like I get it. Things are not great right now, but if you know we look for inspiration in life, plants, animals, the earth, everything that around us that's living, nothing happens like that. It doesn't. It's it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think you know, coming back to like the power now and mindfulness and being mindful, you know, it, it pertains to everything. The more you dwell on what happened in the past, whether it was, uh, 12 minutes ago or, or 200 years ago, um, the less action you're going to take in the present, you're, yeah. you're just going to be dwelling on something that can't ever be changed. But what you can do is change the present, which will impact the future. And so if you're not changing your present moments and taking advantage of them, you know, we look at, at, have you ever seen the study? It, it talks about like willpower and, and how people who have jobs that they hate, um, if they don't exercise in the morning, they're, they're less likely to exercise because what happens is, supposing this study, uh, is that once you burn out your wor- willpower at work, so like let's oh. say you go to work and it sucks and you hate it and you, you had to, to, to bear through it the whole day, well, the rest of your willpower is gone. So even though you want to work out, even though you want to read, even though you want to meditate, even though you want to do yoga, whatever whatever it is, you're not going to do it because you're already burnt out from from yeah. investing all of your energy and trying to make yourself do this other thing you hated. And so, you know, it's, it's reprioritizing and reorganizing things as well. So, you know, you have to become aware though first. Your awareness is key. If, if you don't have the awareness to to really, like we always say, we've been saying this whole time, of sitting down with yourself and being real, like you know what, I know I'm not going to go after work. I don't go after work because I'm burnt out. I need to go before work, which means I have to get up a little bit earlier, which I know it sucks because I like to sleep in. But if I want to make this my priority, then this is, I want to take care of myself. I have to do it. Yeah. And, 
And I think there's a lot of moments that people waste as well. You know, working with people in wellness coaching, driving is a huge one. You could be very mindful and do a, a driving meditation or a, a mindfulness uh, uh, exercise while you're driving, especially mm -hmm. if you're sitting in traffic and you're not moving. Uh, you can absolutely do breathing techniques. You can you can do self-improvement and listen to podcasts or eBooks, like you said. You There's all these times that people could do things that that would, would benefit them if they actually prioritize it. So what's more important, listening to a song with maybe a negative message behind it that, that's not going to help you at all, or would it be more beneficial to listen to an, a, a book about how you can improve yourself or listen to a book that has a different perception of, of the world from you or, you know, do a mindfulness meditation and just be present and breathe and relax and balance your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Those are all, all ways that you can do it. And so I think a lot of, even in between appointments, like a, even if you do have an office job, if you're in between appointments, there's five minutes you could probably meditate or 10 minutes. I used to do Chill. it a, as a therapist. I did a lot. I would sit there and just look at my, look at my fountain and, and just be present and watch the water and just sit there and, and let everything else go and be present. And just People can't it. do that. People get overwhelmed. Yeah. They sit there in those five minutes. They're like, fuck in like an hour I gotta be here and if I don't do here well maybe I can get ahead on here and I know I'm this way too I'm like okay well if I, I have five minutes I can get ahead I can do this I can do this and I didn't even realize I did that but <laughs> yeah you're right like taking like you said five minutes like that's why those apps are really nice mm -hmm. but actually doing them is the thing is keeping yourself accountable and doing those things yeah yeah and, and you know not catching yourself before you're burnt out too you yeah, know, uh, catching catching the things that are leading to that burnout and and kind of stopping them beforehand. And if you think of what does most people do when they have eight seconds of free time, they're on their phone checking social media or checking the newest posts or checking yeah. news. And and I think I think that's really unhealthy for people. I think it's it's an, another addiction, right? Yeah, um, for that, sure. And then people fall into these trends and. And, you know, how many people actually have done research and read things and, and looked into a lot of the topics where they just repost things? They you don't know, even see shit. They see something and then they just, boom, repost it throughout like the world. these fucking black squares. Yeah, they don't take the time to really think about what it really means or reflect on it or, you know, it's a trend. And, and if you're not questioning every single trend, it, you know, everything, is, nothing is beyond question, nothing. Um, yeah. That's, there, I like that you said that. You know, nothing. Everything should be questioned. Uh, even gravity should be questioned. Yeah. But once you find out that it's a truth, you say, okay, well, it's a truth. Unless I get a rocket propulsion, then gravity doesn't apply to me. You know? Yeah. It, so, you know, if people just took it as, as word that you can never overcome gravity, then you wouldn't have rockets and you wouldn't have satellites. Never and you progress. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't even get in the whole technological bait, whether it was, it was good or bad for humanity, because that... I have, I have a very different view than most people. But even if you just take something like that and, and you, you have to question it. And, and so you have to look at everything. If you look at human beings, there was a time that we thought we were the center of the universe. Then we thought we were the center of the solar system. Then we thought we were the center of, of uh, well, the earth was flat. And, and as things morph, and people would be killed because they had descending of views on that. That's so They silly. would kill people because they said, no, uh, the sun's actually the center of our solar system. Yeah. And they would kill them because it wasn't true, but it was true because they didn't question it. And so, you know, when you get into your belief system, every single thing you should question, everything. And 
when you look at yourself as as an individual, if you're not questioning every single belief you have, uh, your belief is probably not very strongly formed. It's it's probably very superficial. Like yeah. we said, when you get to the tip of the iceberg, if you just take that first thing and run with it and say, you know what? Yeah, I believe that. I read this little I read this uh, little meme on there, and that's true. And how do you know it's true? Take a minute, think about it, yeah. look into it. You know, what's even better is looking at both sides of something and and really seeing. But most people won't look at both sides. Most people nowadays only look at the side that reinforces their belief that they already have. Or they look at the opposite side and only try to find a flaw to reinforce the side that they have. You have to look for the truth in both sides because even in something like even in something like racism, it's really easy to say that racism's evil or racism's bad. Um but you have to look into why people why do people feel that way? Yeah. Uh and where does it come from? And and then once you can figure out that then you can figure out how to actually solve it. You can find a real solution. You know, if you look at the human equation, it's like calculate your solution, right? Yeah. Everybody's is different. But if you don't if you don't dig deep into your own thoughts and your own beliefs and question yourself constantly, um, if you start talking to somebody and, and you question their belief and they get angry at you, it's because they're scared that their belief might be wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a, a telltale sign that, that maybe that's not a person you should listen to. Maybe yeah. that's a person that you should say, eh, I don't think they've done all their research. If they're getting that angry about it and it's that tied to them and they, they can't start questioning things, uh, it's probably not very well formed out. They haven't taken time to really reinforce their belief to, to know why they believe it. And so if, if you can't look at that and dive steps backwards and keep dissecting and digging and digging and digging and seeing when you get to the root, which you is what I always say. Strip them, yeah. Yeah, you got you to keep digging until you get to the root of it. And then you can, you can see where it comes from. And, and a lot of people don't do that. They have, you know, either like a very superficial, you know, you could look at, at the tree and, and you could stay on the ground level of it or you could even be up in the treetops but if you're not digging down deeper to get to the bottom of it, you don't know where it really comes from. You know, yeah. I can see a tree. I don't know where it really comes from or what's supporting it or what the, the, the base of it is. You go kick that thing over and the whole shit falls. Yeah. No roots. No roots. <laughs> but that, that's the thing, you know, yeah. um, how I, I don't know how you can get people to believe that. I, I, I wish I could help more. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, even with my wellness coaching, it was very hard to get people engaged with it. And and that's another thing that we can look at is where people invest their money. So you look at all these people that buy things that don't help them at all. It gives them like this instant sense of gratification uh, as opposed to, to doing things like CrossFit and yoga and meditation. And, and yeah. those are the things I do. I don't expect everybody to do the same things as me, of course. Yeah. But there are things that help with rest and help with recovery and take time out. And, and there, there's things that you can do that are healthy for you that yeah. will improve your ability to live a, a comfortable life as opposed to things that you do that have either no bearing or a negative bearing. You know, a lot of possessions either have no bearing or a negative. People go into uh, a lot, a lot of debt just to buy stuff. Yeah, and to so, feel comfortable. Yeah, to, and to, to feel important and to feel good because they have more. You know, if you think of possessions, like look at a house and somebody that has a mansion and, and people brag about the mansion, like... It comes from you wanting to have more than somebody else that you can feel important. Because how many people have a mansion and use 90% of the space? No. Yeah, they don't use it all. The, have you ever seen the, um, 
what was the name of that? There's a documentary I watched about like minimalism, and there's a part. Oh yeah. There's that part where it shows like how much space they did the study on how much space people actually use in their house. Yeah. It's like this small amount yeah. of space. But then you have people who will go way into debt to to add additions that they don't use to to yeah. add um, things in the in the yard that they don't even look at to just. Just to fill space. Yeah, just to fill space. It's like they're working for what? They're working for nothing. It's just, it's not real stuff. Yeah. I mean, it is in the sense that it's real and you can touch it, but it's not real in the sense that it improves your worth or your value or who you are. Uh, it just, it diverts your attention from what, what would really benefit you, I think. Yeah, and then it just, it, when you simplify your life, I remember watching that shit and I was like, I'm getting rid of everything. Fuck everything. <laughs> it was, I remember I was living in Phoenix and I was in a studio and no shit, dude. All I had was my bed, my desk, and that was pretty much it. And like all the other things to live. And I had like minimal, I tried to adopt the idea, like I tried to do it. And it was it was hard because like you know, but you try it and you realize you learn a lot about yourself. You're like, oh okay, like I can live with a lot less than I can think. Have you seen um, those people that live in tiny homes? Yeah, I fucking want that life, dude. It's so cool because I I know me. I was like, I can live with very little, and I don't need a lot. I can and I don't even need the best things. I can live with very little. I don't need a lot. I'm, but I didn't grow up that way. I was very opposite. Like my parents, they you know you talk about them wanting the best for me. Uh, two things. One, it was always, you know, my parents didn't know better. They think they thought, you know, here's the things that you want and maybe it'll help you because we never had them. You should. So I grew up thinking the wrong way. I mean, it's not my parents' fault. They just, you know, this is what they think and it's not their fault. But then I grow up and I realize, you know, by learning more and watching these movies and, and documentaries and talking to people, you realize these that, oh, these things aren't what are going to make me. I'm thankful that I had art and I had this. And I'm thankful my parents were like, just do what makes you happy. I'm like, okay, what makes me happy? These things make me happy. So I pursued it. And I'm thankful for that. But my, but there's a lot of things that I inherited from a child that I realized that are just in my in my innate nature. Like, stuff like that. I do like things, you know? And it, it takes a step for me to be like, okay, do I really... Like, for like this whole... All, there's all these sales going on, and I just bought a computer. I'm like, okay, I need more. I need more. Like, it's my initial reaction to be like... Do I need a new camera? Do I need it? I'm like, okay, no, you don't need it. You just want it. Is it really going to benefit you that much? You, but I seriously, Joe, have to think about it. <laughs> it's so hard, bro. It's, but it's just how, like, I understand that about myself. And the moment I understood that about myself, I can be realistic and, and just, it's just what's going to happen. You know, and I, but I have to be able to, aware, aware enough to catch it. You know, but it's hard to do that. But it's the only way. Like, it's not going to be easy. It's hard to go against, but if I know it's not right or else I'd be broke as fuck. I wouldn't have anything. I already don't have a lot. So in order, <laughs> so in order to get more, it'd be hard, but I'm a lot happier this way. Like I know for me, like even right now, like all this shit going on, I want to go buy a gun and I want that Glock. I want that Glock so bad, but I understand. I'm like, okay, why do you want it? It's cool. I held it. <laughs> like I can try to talk myself into this whole, I need a gun. Cause I'm going to have a fan. Like all, I did all of it, but I'm like, all right. I haven't had a gun yet until I can, the means to get it. If I really want it, I'll work for it, but I just don't need it right now. You know, it's shit like that. But I don't know, man. Like this whole, this whole spectrum of things we're talking about, it's, it's just, I don't know the solution. I don't think there's a solution for one easy one. I just know that the most beneficial thing is, is everybody just tries to do best for themselves mm -hmm. and stop trying to shove their own beliefs and systems down other people's throats and interfering with other people's lives. And I believe that testimonials 
things like that. That's why I love this podcast so much. This one and listening to them because I've learned the most by just listening to Joe Rogan and the people that he has on and doing for myself. Mm-hmm. Best for myself. Yeah. And thankfully, he's a very truthful guy, you know, and, and but that happens to, you know, people watching the news the same way I watched Rogan and took what I needed. Thankfully, it was not, it was beneficial things, but people do that same thing with, with CBS and NBC and people that aren't, people that aren't the most healthy people and they do the same thing and they think it's right. That's the thing, but you got to understand and learn how to think. And I'm not saying I know how to think, but I found I'm not killing nobody. I'm not angry. You know, I'm, I, I feel like people like me. I don't know, <laughs> but that's the thing is, you know, and I'm not mobbing. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm not mobbing, but that's the thing is educating themselves and not reacting just those knee jerk reactions. Cause nothing's going to happen from that. You know, no one's, no one's fucking trying to survive anymore. We're all good. We can all eat. We're all good. Now we need to take care of our mentals and it's just, it, but it's hard. It it is hard. I understand. I'm not saying it's easy or telling people that you need to go fucking do it right now because as much as I learned from you, from my frustrations with people as well, it's like there people are gonna, you got to let people do what they're going to do. And like that's just that's why I had to take a step back with this whole riot shit. I'm like, well they're going to do what they want to do. And initially I got frustrated cuz I'm like, dude, you're fucking jaywalking. And you're in my way. And I'm like, get the fuck out of the way. <laughs> Get out of the goddamn street. Use the use the crosswalk like everybody else, you fucks. And then I got mad, but I'm just like, you know what? Do whatever you're gonna do. For sure, get out of my way, though. But you can't, you know. It's just at a certain point, it's just there comes a level of maturity and understanding to where you know, just these knee-jerk reactions and frustration just is not the way, dude. It's it's child's play. It's like it's it's kids act like that. And and I think what you're saying too, when you go into reaction as opposed to responses, uh, reactions are very emotionally driven, and they're usually not they're usually not beneficial to you. You know, they're they're usually not something. They usually don't even get you what you want. They get they sure. you think that they're going to get you what you want, but a lot of times they don't. And we get into like the violence part um, when you see people people being violent. Um, like you said, fire with fire earlier. It. When you get to the point that communication is broken down and you resort to violence, it means that there's going to be violence from both sides, and whoever's stronger is going to have the voice, you know? Yeah. And that's what you want to avoid because just because the person that's stronger has a voice, gets the gets the voice and wins, doesn't mean that it was the one that's best for everybody. It doesn't mean it's the one that's good for everybody. And so, you know, you have to, you know, I, I can't imagine what, what, everybody on the earth goes through because I don't know. I don't have their experiences. But what I can see is when you start, when you get to the point where you're going to inflict violence upon people, uh, you have to expect them to inflict violence back upon you. Yeah. And and I've never been in a fight. And as you know, when I was younger, I used to fight all the time. I've never been in a fight where I wouldn't have expected to, to potentially even be killed, right? Um, yeah. Because that's part of of violence, you know, violence escalates until the person, until one person is willing to give up to the other person or is incapable of fighting anymore. And sometimes that leads to death. Right. Yeah. And so unless essentially you're willing to die for whatever it is you're doing, uh, or you're willing to kill people for whatever you're doing, is violence really worth it? 
and, and it took me a long, 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 long time to, to understand that. Because um, you were like a violent person. Very, very, yeah, very violent and aggressive. I mean, I, especially as a young kid, that's how I solved all problems was through violence. Suck somebody. Um, yeah, just getting fights and... and yeah, it's not a good way. It's not yeah. a good way. And because what happens is it gets back to what we were saying with truth. You're not necessarily getting truth because I could have been completely wrong. But if I knock somebody out, then I become right because they don't have a voice anymore. And it doesn't mean that I'm right. Yeah. I could be completely wrong. You just shut people down. Yeah, and that's that's not good. You know, the the concept of violence... Violence comes when all communication is broken down and there's there's no resolution available anymore and it becomes violence. That's where war comes from too, right? Yeah. You have war because you have two people with completely opposing views and neither of them is willing to compromise or back down from that view and it leads to, to conflict. And so that's what you have to, to look at with violence is, is it going to be something that is actually going to help your cause? Because if you get to, we can talk about Germany again, they were willing to exterminate people to because of their views. And and I think if you... Have you ever read Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? No, I it, heard about it. Though. It's a really good book. Um, but just to see the atrocities that people suffered over ideas. Yeah, no truth. No truth. There wasn't truth. It was, it was just an idea and a concept and a belief, and those people weren't going to back down from their belief. And, and if you look at why Germany started is it was over frustration. It was over frustration from world war one. And they, they put this despot in charge and he was a, he was a person that was, was deranged on gaining more power. And he had these, these very unhealthy beliefs and he was willing to exterminate people. And, and that's, that's a, that's a part of where violence comes from. And so when we look at violence, like you have to see where it comes from. And, and the same thing, dive down into the layers of it and figure out what actually transpired to, to cause this. And if you can't listen to other people, you'll never, like we said, if, if you're just listening to rebut or you're listening to argue or you want to win an argument, some of the worst people, I don't know how many lawyers you know, but some of the worst people have conversations with their lawyers because all they want to do is they want to argue a point to death and they don't want to listen. And, and they, there's, I don't know if it's because maybe they're in court a lot or something and, the, and their job is to win at all costs. But, you know, even if we look at the court system and, and lawyers and justice, what does justice even mean? If you look at what they do, uh, they're, supposedly their obligation is to get their client what their client wants. But that's not necessarily justice. Justice no. is restoring, restoring order so that people feel are okay with with somebody did something that violated a social norm and and what is it that can rectify what happened how can you fix the wrong of what happened and if we look at at what's happening right now with the riots what can right that wrong what what is justice you hear justice but what is it has anybody defined it what what needs to happen so that we can have justice? Um, and then I guess we haven't even talked about law enforcement. We can kind of get into that. And you can look at police work in general and, and how completely ill-trained they are. Uh, you know, one of the biggest reasons I left is what we were talking about. Same thing that happened to you where, where I told everybody I worked with because there's so many burnt out people there. Um, when you get to the point where you don't want to do it anymore and you don't feel that that's the place to be, it's time to get out. Yeah. You need to go. And most of them don't because they're maybe 12 years into, into a profession with no other skill set. They don't have degrees. They don't have anything to fall back on. It, it pays 
okay, not great, but uh, it pays okay. Maybe they have benefits and a 25-year retirement plan, and all they have to do is ride out that 25 years. Maybe they're halfway, and they're like, you know what? Okay, I'm halfway there. I don't want to start over. I'm going to stay here. But they're not effective. They're miserable. And and that's one one of the key components of of law enforcement that, that isn't good. The day... When I went into law enforcement, it's because I wanted to be the cool cop because I, I personally had a lot of bad experiences with cops myself. I wasn't a good kid. I was on probation twice before I was 18. I got in trouble a lot. Um, I had a negative connotation of, yeah. of police. And as I grew older and I was like, you know what? I want to be, a, I be a, a cool cop. And, and so you have that intention of going in and, and solving, solving social problems or helping with social problems, protecting people. And then what you see is you see that the system itself is broken. And so when you look at, at the system itself, uh, you can realize once I got into it for a while and I realized it was the same things, the same places, the same day, uh, same things day after day after day after day, it, you get burnt out. And so when I got to the point when I went in and it was like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. I, I, don't, I don't like it. It's, it's frustrating. That's why I left. And I, that's why I left. But, you know, you, we can get into all these other problems that you have. You have, you have pretty poor pay for what you do. So you have a lot, of, a lot of people that work side jobs and overtime constantly. So they're working maybe 60-hour weeks dealing with people that, that can be frustrating to deal with. Um, because you're dealing with people. When somebody calls the police, it's because the, the social order has broken down. And normal people like you and me, I can, if somebody is annoying to me, I can just walk away. Yeah. And be like, you know, I don't want to deal with this guy. I'm done. Police can't walk away. Their job is to come to a resolution. They can't, when somebody's being rude to them or aggressive, they can't be like, yeah, okay, never mind. They we're we're going to forget it. about this complaint. You have to try to resolve it. And that's hard. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't justify uh, police brutality by any means. But, you know, we have to look at what causes it. And it's also a lack of training. I was, I was talking to Ezra last night about how, how much defensive tactics training do you think I got at my police department per year? You would assume a lot because you're a cop. Eight hours. <laughs> In that eight hours, guess yeah. how much was hands-on where you actually touched people? I kind of know the answer, but I would assume a lot. No, two hours. Jeez. So two hours per year, right? You get yeah. two hours per year to actually touch people. And, and the, the last one that I went to, there's a, a guy that I worked with that was older. And for whatever weird reason, they ended up pairing us up together. And I did a little toss on him and he fell on his ribs and he got hurt. And we had to call an ambulance. And that was the end of the day. Jesus Christ. And so, you know, how many people at my police department think did jujitsu? Zero. Me. Just you. Just me. Uh, how many people do you think actually went shooting regularly? None. Uh, like four. You know, it's, it's like these very small numbers of people. There's people... You know, I, I've heard people like, oh, they should shoot the gun out of their hands. Most of the people can barely qualify if they can qualify. Yeah. Uh, they're not that good at shooting. They don't shoot that often. You don't train. Yeah. Um, and, and that shouldn't be your first response anyway. And then you get into all these defensive tactics. They don't train with defensive tactics. They, they're not comfortable putting their hands on people because they don't really know how to do it. They don't, people don't train, unfortunately. Uh, it, they don't have time and they don't have money for it. Yeah. And so, you know, when we look at the problems that are plaguing, and I can't speak for, for every police department. Maybe there's some that do a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I can only speak for the one I worked at. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it, it's it's unfortunate. How much emotional regulation training do you think you get? People think police should be above this emotional roller coaster that people experience. Like they're robots, huh? Yeah, but they're people and they don't get any training. You don't ever train on that. 
nobody nobody trains them how to deal with people it's not like you you have a day of the week where you you go into work and people just verbally abuse you all day and and throw stuff on you and you get used to it i mean that that doesn't happen um and human beings are human beings and so um I, and I, i'm not trying to justify people that do the wrong thing because i'm not yeah. at all yeah i'm not justifying i'm not condoning it but i'm saying the problem is that people don't want to invest in it because all of a sudden if we looked at the solution is is probably right in front of our eyes but a police department budget would probably increase by four or five times what it is right now and there's already not enough money to pay for them according to cities yeah so i don't know so what do you do i mean that's the challenge and you you can look at all these things i mean how many how many police officers do you think have have substance abuse problems they suffer high amounts of that they suffer high amounts of divorce rates yeah um and i think when you look at all the factors most of them aren't happy yeah if i looked at my department there weren't very many people that were happy there were a lot of very very miserable people you come into roll call and you sit there and and i would joke around and be silly but most of them are all pissed off all the time and And grumpy and and then you're probably pissing them off because you're happy and they're all miserable yeah trying to make a joke out of it trying to like hey you know let's have a good day things are good shut the fuck up joe yeah i mean they wouldn't come out and say that usually they just ignore me or be like yo it's real fucking great here yeah you know like that that's terrible and and that's what i'm saying like when you see people that are burnt out like that, they're not going to make good choices. Yeah. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to justify. Personally, I think if you get to that point, you should leave. You should get out of the field and make, make way for somebody else, um, yeah. which is why I left. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the, all the answers, but I do know that what's in place, at least where I used to work, is broken. And yeah. so, you know, you're not going to have effective interactions. And then, you know, on top of that, you get the negative perceptions of people when you deal with them. Uh, people already kind of have a negative perception towards you. So the way that they interact with you is, is, is hard. You know, I very rarely gave people tickets, like almost never, probably 12 out of 13 people I pulled over. I just give warnings, but you know, people get angry, even though you stopped them, even though they were, were breaking the law, they get angry because you're impeding them and, and maybe they don't agree with the law or they, they think that you're profiling them or you they think, whatever they think, um, outside of like driving under suspension, even DUIs, like very infrequently would I give people that. I'd, I'd write them for something else because I know how drastically that could impact their life. Uh, so I would I would do something like, okay, I'm gonna give you a reckless operation. We're gonna impound your car, find a ride home, come get it tomorrow. You're not gonna lose your license for two years, but don't do it anymore. You yeah. know what I mean? That's stuff I would do. I mean, there were a few times that I didn't, um, but typically those were people who were actually about to kill somebody. If yeah. I think of the four that I actually wrote and all that time I was there, I only did four working midnight and afternoon shifts. Um, it was typically people who were going to kill somebody. One was a, a, a trustee from a, a township next to ours who was driving on the left side of the turn lane on a four lane road in front of the mall and almost, collided with somebody yeah so you know i think a lot of times it's just a perception and and you know i don't think entertainment helps i don't think media helps they only show a lot of uh a lot of the negative stuff like have you ever seen that show den of thieves i heard no i never seen it there's like this mob unit of police and i don't know maybe in la there are police like that yeah but 
they're like doing drugs and drinking and kidnap some guy and they're beating him and and maybe that happens i have no idea yeah if that happens that's that's so beyond awful i don't even know how to express it but if it doesn't happen i think people do think it happens because they see it perception and when they see movies they think they're very realistic but if you ever watch a military movie having been in the military or watch a police television show or movie having been in law enforcement they're usually very inaccurate descriptions even therapy when i see a movie where they they have somebody that's a therapist in it it's usually not even close to what what actually transpires but i don't know if they just don't do their research or they don't care or they they want to create some other perception i don't i don't know what the answer is because i'm not the one writing it but you can see all of these inaccuracies and so when you look at at law enforcement there are a lot of inaccuracies that are displayed within the media and and do I think that there's some that have prejudices? Sure. If I look at my department, there were probably like three or four people that were pretty prejudiced, maybe maybe even racist. But um, I think the vast majority, 85, 90% of them were just completely burnt out and shouldn't be in the field anymore. They yeah. should have left and went and done something else. Um, and that's that's just my opinion, of course. But Yeah. No, I'm glad you shared that. And um, because when you told me that story, as far as uh, – your experience as a police officer, I never considered that, you know, and it's not, like you said, it's not justifying what happened with this George Floyd thing. It's, you were giving me a, a real life perspective on what you experienced as a police officer. It was just your experience. You weren't trying to be, prove a point. You were just telling me about it. And for me, I just thought like, wow, like I have some family that are police officers and it kind of uh, justified some of my thoughts on it. And I was like, oh man, like one thing for sure was like, dude, these people, they, they expect, like you were saying, uh, society expects this grand thing out of police officers, but, you know, and I don't know, maybe some people do get, like, this giant budget. Some departments get giant budgets, and they do have jiu-jitsu training, and they know they have this high tactical ability, but some of them don't, like, in your situation. So you got to be patient with them. And, yes, there's no exception for what had happened to, you know, to George Floyd and the way they treated that situation. Yes, and yes, justice, and yes, these things need to happen, but... Not all cops are bad. Not every, you know, just there is, like you told, like you mentioned to me, you're like, there there are this small percentage of me police officers, yes, that are racist. Not just police officers, people in general. There are people like that. And they're all also good cops. But then there are also a lot of cops that are miserable. You told me a really crazy, uh, a really insane story in to on that topic of perception. And you don't have to tell if you don't want to, but it was that, um, you don't even have to say the names. But you told me a, a story about a police officer that um, he was almost on his way out, and uh, he was an older guy. And oh yeah, so so uh, yeah, I'll share it. So we had a guy from our department. Um, he's he was infamous for 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 dodging calls. He's actually the oldest patrolman on the department. Um, he was maybe a year and a half from retirement, I think, and he would do everything and anything to get out of calls, right? He didn't want to go to any calls. He didn't want to deal with people. He'd find anything he could find. If his if they would call him on the radio to do something, he would try to come back on and be like, oh, I'm escorting this truck down the truck route, or I'm, I'm stopped with these guys out here. I'm going to see what's going on. And, you know, I, I went to a domestic call one time, and I saw him drive right past the house, go up this side street and park. And I pull up a little, like, couple houses down and park in front of it, and I, I come on the radio and ask him what he's doing. He's like, oh, I thought, I thought it was on Spring Street, not Walnut. <laughs> like no they said well i'm right here you can come over here or what you know <laughs> yeah. like what are you doing um and it was because he didn't want to write reports and so he's that's a prime example of somebody that's completely burnt out and of course i can only talk about my experiences but dealing with this guy that's how it was right yeah and so 
he, long story short, uh, there's a guy that goes to court. He has a warrant for domestic violence. The bailiff tries to arrest him. He gets in a fight with the bailiff, runs out the door, gets out of the court, gets into his car. One of the probation officers tries to stop him. He drags the probation officer a little bit with his car and takes off. And typically what happens when, when people do that is they don't go home. They go somewhere else. And this guy had worked there a long time, and, and it was right right around shift change, and, and he probably just didn't want to deal with it because he never wanted to deal with any calls. Um, he decided to go to the house thinking that the guy wouldn't be there, and that way he could just go say that he checked on something and then check out and go home. Well, unfortunately, the guy went home, and he was there, and, and the, the guy in the car tries to ram him in between his car and the, his cruiser and, and the guy that's driving, and he ends up shooting him and killing him. And, you know, there's like a lot of, not a lot of backlash, but there's, there's a considerable amount of backlash. And it's, it's a tragedy that the guy got killed. But at the same time, um, that guy didn't, the police officer didn't want to kill him. He didn't even want to interact with him. He actually was hoping to go there and, and not see him so that he could go home and, and not have to do anything, which is sad because that's not how police officers should be either. But, you know, a lot of people came out against him and, and thought that, um, it was racially motivated and that he was, uh, he did it because he's, he's prejudiced or racist or, or, or whatever they, you know, people have different opinions, whatever they yeah. thought. But in reality, it was, it was the opposite. Like there's, there's no part of me that thinks that he absolutely doesn't, didn't want that to happen. He wanted no part of that. And he would have been far more content had he been able to, to retire a year early and not had to be in that situation, never encounter it. Yeah. And, and since he's retired, but you know, it, it wasn't, I don't think it was something he wants. Are there police out there who, who like to engage with people and fight because they want power? Yeah, there are. But are there a lot of police officers who actually are the opposite, who actually don't want to deal with anybody, who don't want to have encounters with anybody, that try to look the other way as much as possible because they also don't want to deal with people? There's those too. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I see both sides. I see I see people who who don't want to do it at all that are just there. I see people that that want to do it and actually have a, a positive impact. And you see people who who are burnt out, and you see people who who have the wrong intentions. You have see people who have um, a lack of training. You, you, it, there's the whole gamut of people. Yeah. But you look at some of these departments and they, they're struggling to hire people. I mean, I, I look at a lot of big cities and it, nobody wants to do it anymore. It's, yeah. it's not a very desirable job. Um, the, the people that I see that go into it, I mean, I don't try to ever talk anybody out of something, but I just tell them, hey, consider all this stuff before you do it, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I... I, I I don't know the answers to everything, but, you know, I think a lot of people, police brutality is never okay. Um, but like we said, with violence, when you're, you're in a position that experiences violence, you're going to be violent too. And so, um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it would be lovely if nobody ever broke the law and you didn't even need police. <laughs> yeah. That would be the best solution, <laughs> That'd right? That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, but it's not the case. It's not the case, and there is crime, and, and people want to feel safe, unfortunately, or fortunately. Um, and so they, they maybe make too many laws that, that maybe some of the laws don't really influence society. And when people enforce those laws upon other people, they feel offended or angry or, or whatever, you know? Like even with jaywalking, you say jaywalking is a crime, and it is a crime. 
uh, but in most circumstances, it's not really affecting anybody. So why is it a crime? Maybe yeah. every once in a while it is, but for the vast majority of times, if there's nobody around and you walk across the middle of the street. Yeah, what's the worst? Yeah, or a stoplight, yeah. right? You're seeing a stoplight on, I sit at the one in County 14th and 4th Avenue extension mm-hmm. at night when I, I'm coming home from the gym and there's not headlights anywhere to be seen and you sit there for, for a minute and a half, yeah. right? Is that benefiting society? I don't I don't think it is, but yeah. you know, that's just the way it is so yeah yeah it's tough i'm, I'm glad thanks for sharing that because when you told me that story it kind of sh- it shifted shifted my perspective well it shifted it gave me a new perspective because i never even it gave me a perspective i've never even had because i never even thought about it that way and just as a clarification because i can already see it is it's not a justification for what had happened to this george floyd thing no absolutely not but it's just a it's it's just uh, hopefully um, an inspiration to let people think a little bit more. Yeah. Because what happened to, you know, that coworker of yours is unfortunate because I'm sure he had to deal with that lash. And what happened, I'm sure, I'm sure he might had might have had PTSD because he, you know, he had killed somebody. And, you know, I'm sure he felt guilt. And um, who knows how long he had to deal with that. Who knows if he's still dealing with that. Um, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he'll deal with it until he's done. Exactly. You know? So, and that's the thing is like, shitty to consider and like yes the whole thing maybe you know punishment and and just justice justice not punishment needs to be served for sure and maybe that guy maybe all this that's happening right now who knows how he feels maybe he feels fucking terrible who knows maybe what if he had a terrible day you know what if he just got a divorce what if he was dealing without what if he was dealing with alcoholism what if he's an ex-marine or or an ex-military and he's just living a shitty life or what if he's just a shitty person and he never knew how to deal with situations. Doesn't know how to deal with high stress. Maybe his life sucked. Maybe he doesn't have any parents. Maybe even if he's like, what if he had a great life? Who fucking knows? And A, who fucking cares? Because it happened. And it is what it is. And yes, everything that's happening. Yes, there is injustice everywhere in the world. But there's yeah. not riots for every, every... We can't have a riot for every single injustice that's happening. And all these people that are quoting Martin Luther King as well and fucking trying to bring all... Trying to compare... The situations, that's not right either. I don't think that's right. Yeah, and I, you know, I think he was he was one of the the most influential people in history. Yeah, and and people like to really misquote him. And I I don't know who I was talking to, but I was saying, you know, why do you think that him and Gandhi and and many of these other people who've had a lot of success um, don't use violence? And they don't use violence because. They understand that violence begets violence. And when you, you pit somebody to where you're, you know, I'm not violent and I'll have a disagreement with somebody all day, but when they punch me in the face, I'm not just going to stand there and take it. Yeah, if you push people to the wall, they're not going to take it either. Right, you punch me in the face, I'm going to punch you back. And and maybe that's not the right answer, but that that's just the response I'm going to have. I'm not going to let somebody punch me. Yeah. Uh, you can disagree with me all day. I'll never try to force anybody to do anything, ever. Yeah. Uh, um, not even have my opinion. I don't expect everybody to have my opinion. Everybody's different. Yeah. Do, what's, if, go ahead. do what's best for you. But, you know, if, if you can't accept my opinion and, and it gets to the point where you feel you need to punch me because you don't agree with my opinion, well, I'm not just going to stand there and let you hurt me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, you know, what people who, who've maybe thought things through a little bit more thoroughly can understand once you get to the point of, of violence you you need to be willing to go all the way to the end of it and and that like we said earlier that can be uh the death of many 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 more people yeah and so do we want 
I don't think we want people to die, do we? I don't, maybe people do. I don't know. Is who, it worth it? Who knows what people think? But yeah. um, for me, that's not what I want. I, I, I want to see everybody thrive, everyone. Yeah. And I think we want to pull people up. We want everybody, you know what? We want to pull people up to the level so we can all do well. And maybe there's some people who... <clears throat> who need to come down some. Maybe there's some people who are overinflated and they need to be pulled back down some. Uh, but, you know, we can't, we can't just react to things without trying to, to find the root cause of the problem and then actually identify that and then, and then figure out a solution because without that, uh, it just causes new problems. So yeah. by trying to solve the one, you create 10 more. And, and that's not what we want. What we want is everybody, every, every single person to, to be happy and healthy and, and be a, a member of society that can have a, a, a good life. I think, you know, yeah. if, if you don't believe that, if there's people that don't believe that, then they're part of the problem that, and that's why society's gotten to the way it is. Everybody should want everybody to be a meaningful member of society. We're all in the same society together. You don't have to like people to want to pull them up to your level. You yeah. Can, you can not like somebody and not like their opinions, but still pull them up to, to give them a hand and pull them up to the level. You know, you every if everybody's on the same level, it's, I think, a lot easier to live and let live, too. Okay, we're all, do, we're all equal. We're all doing the same. We're all in good spot. I don't really care what they're doing over there. Yeah. If you want to do whatever you want to do in your neighborhood and... and and live your life the way that you want to live it, then I totally respect that and I value it and do your thing. Yeah, but don't fucking um, make me do but it. But don't come over into my neighborhood and tell me I should do what you're doing because you think you know the right way because that's also not not okay. Yeah. Um, nobody knows the right way. There is no right way. There's, you know, there's no right way. Everybody, everybody has to find what works for them. Exactly. And not try to control others based on what you think is good for you. And I know I've suffered from that because, you know, when you learn something, you're excited about it. You want to tell everybody and when they're not doing it, you're like, why aren't you fucking doing it? Yeah. But you got to realize it's what works for you and you can't expect other people to do it. You told me something that was very influential a couple of weeks ago. You're like, as much as you expect something to happen, you should expect it not to happen. Mm -hmm. And if you do something for somebody and adding on to that, if you do something for somebody, you should do it out of kindness on your heart, not because you want them to change. Yeah. So everything that we do, if the people that are out there right now, you know, if you're out there and you believe there's real change, yes, you can walk, you can do everything you want, but as soon as you start trying to make somebody do something or you try to influence somebody based on negativity and fear and anger, it's not the right reasons, and you're not going to get anything. Because like you said, as much as you push somebody into a wall, expect somebody to punch you back. Mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to get punched back, you know, and who knows? Some people could be ignorant too, be like, you have fucking punched me, bro. There are the yeah, there are there's there's people that just want to see the world burn. I think you know there's there's I think Batman. when you when you look at the people that l- are looting, they're probably miserable. They're probably miserable and and they just want to. I mean, I don't know. I'm so I, I guess I shouldn't even have an opinion on it. But it, it's it's probably people who just aren't happy and and take advantage of a situation. Just like you know, if we look at the COVID thing all the people that bought up the weight lift, weightlifting equipment from these places and try to charge three times the amount. So you're in the middle of a catastrophe and they're trying to take advantage of you economically. Yeah. 
And and there's <clears throat> I've talked to people and there's people that say that oh that's smart that was a great idea fucking assholes that's a scumbag move same people that fucking bought all the hand sanitizer yeah that like dickhead that bought all the hand sanitizer you know it, it that's that's not taking care of your society that's part yeah. of the problem that's if where anything, the problem in lies you should you know? buy it all and just give it away yeah if you really gave a fuck if you really cared or cheaper sell it cheaper but yeah exactly people are, you're always gonna have that small percentage of dick of just dicks yeah exactly and and as long as we have that it's it's gonna be really hard hard to overcome things because there's people that are completely out for themselves and and you know if you look at people that are looting even the things they're stealing are so irrelevant like material stuff 15 pairs of shoes why for what What do you need 15 pairs of shoes for i mean who am i to to judge maybe maybe you do need him i don't know but can't judge the, the bigger cause is the bigger cause is how how can you have a positive impact and change things? And I, I don't think by destroying businesses and stealing stuff, it's it's going to have a positive change. Um, actually, on, on the, the opposite end of the spectrum, if you want to have more of a positive change and you're sick of people like corporations controlling the top, then you should quit supporting them completely and yeah. start moving to a, back to a smaller business scale and, and support people within your community. Local. And and we don't see that a lot. Um, Especially for people that are the the noisiest about that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just don't fucking say anything. Yeah, and, and question people. You know, question people's motives. Like, when you have these people that come out as the leaders of something or the voice of, of something, question their intention. Are they actually really, truly... Um, are they actually really truly for the cause or are they using it as a vacuum to, to steal power? Yeah. And, and that happens a lot too. People steal power. Uh, when you have, when you have people that are spokespeople like entertainers and, and things like this, and they're spokespeople for brands and yeah. they come out and they're sponsoring them. Is that message theirs or is it written by the corporation to, to have a positive spin so that you want to support this company, mm-hmm. even though they don't really care at all about what's going on? They just see it as a way to seize on this opportunity to get more of a market share and get more customers. Yeah. And, and I think those are things that people also don't question. They think just because somebody's behind a cause, if, if somebody's behind a cause but their intentions aren't good, if mm-hmm. their intentions are 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 maladaptive and they're trying to use it for their own personal gain, then you need to question, uh, question that person because you don't want, you don't want, um, you don't want to allow people to, to capitalize off of misfortune or use people in a way that's conducive to themselves, uh, so that they can get more, more power. And, you know, this is the thing that really frustrates me when they talk about, like, like entertainers who are, are very into, um, like, social justice or, or anybody. Anybody that's in the top 1% that's into social justice, how many of them are, are giving back? Because if you have $500 million or, or $700 million, you know that that's all money that now nobody else can have. Nobody else can have that because you have it. Mm-hmm. And and if you're really into social change and equality and 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 fairness, why are you living in in the hills of uh in a mansion, driving a Ferrari with ten other cars in your garage when you know that the people that you're supposedly advocating for don't even have bus passes or don't have an income or don't have food or don't have somewhere to live or whatever it is? You're not doing anything. You're you're running your mouth, but you're not acting. Yeah. You. If you really believe in equality, you would relinquish all that stuff and you'd live just like the people you're advocating for. 
all of the people at the top, if they really truly believed in, in equality, really truly believe in it, you would relinquish what you have and you would have what the least person has because that's yeah. equality. Uh, when you just preach equality, but you're living disproportionately to the people that you're preaching about, that's not real equality. That's, yeah. that's, that's a facade. It's part of, part of maybe your PR firm or your, your marketing campaign to seem like a good person. And, and that comes back to questioning how many people question those people like, Oh yeah, this, this guy, he, he, he's comes out against all these things. He has, he's all for social justice, but he's not. Ooh. Yeah. He's, he's not for equality. He's not for income equality. He's not for class equality. Uh, the only way that you can do that is being the example, right? Uh, th- at least that's my belief. That's mm-hmm. that's what I think. Yeah, you have to be an example. Like Elon Musk. Did you hear about what he did Mm-mm. on Rogan? He was on Rogan on the last one. And who knows if this is true, but he was talking about how, you know, he was selling a lot of his stuff. He was going back to, like, a simple life because he just, he always, he was talking about relinquishing all these material things, like houses and all these things that he owned. He's like, I just they're just distracting. Good. He's like I just you know, and he's one of those top one percenters too. That like like you said, he's that's an example. Yeah, and who knows if it's true? He said it, and that was his intention. So well, that's what he said. But you know something along those lines. If action were to follow along with that, that would be ideal. That'd be awesome. That'd be especially awesome. from those one percent. Otherwise, just shut your mouth if you're not doing it. Yeah, and if you look at it, if if you're looking at equality, whatever it is that you live into. Whatever house that you live in, you would expect everybody else to have the same. That's equality, yeah. right? Uh, and then people talk. I don't even get into like the, that whole thing and no, equity and all that. But but that would be that would be it because I, you know, if you're telling me that a CEO of a company works any harder than than somebody in Yuma that's doing landscaping 12 hours a day in in 110 degree heat with the sun out all day, that's not true. There's no way. Yeah. Um, it's different, of course. The, the responsibilities are different, but they're not working any harder. Mm. And so I think that people need to, to call stuff into question. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to say everybody should get the same amount of everything and, and yeah. that by any means, but I'm saying that things should be a lot more balanced and they should be a lot closer because <clears throat> any, when anybody in our society isn't doing well, it reflects upon the whole society. Yeah. And, and that's just what i think so yeah and who knows how we're gonna get there and shit it's but at the end of the day it comes down to you and i and the individual and trying to do best for yourself and staying in other people's businesses because otherwise you know if we can't do that basic that those take those basic steps to being better as a person then you're not going to fix the world around you and if you expect to feel fix the world around you when you're on shaky roots dude nothing's going to happen or you're just going to make things worse. Mm -hmm. So for everybody out there that's listening, I'm not telling you what to do or, you know, a way to live, but I would suggest that you figure yourself out before you go try to fix the world. Yeah. So question yourself, figure out if you're really doing something, if you're really benefiting yourself, if what you're doing is healthy. And if you're really in the mindset physically, mentally to change the world, make sure you're good first. If you're not good first, then don't go to try and change the world. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for all your help, dude. This is a fun conversation. Of course, bro. Anytime. You always help me, dude, all the time. Like right now, I feel refreshed. I'm ready to take on the world again. <laughs> I'm going to be bummed when you move. 
Yeah. Well, you have somewhere to come visit. San Diego, baby. Yeah. Once the beaches are open, but it might be a while. <laughs> it probably will be. Yeah, it'll probably be a while. But I had to get you on before you left, dude. Yeah, cool, man. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. Of course. All right, guys. Thanks, uh, Joey, for coming on. We'll catch you guys in the next episode. Peace. Two hours. Damn, bro.